You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Make a difference. Relish a great work-life balance. Enjoy generous benefits and competitive pay. Go home each night feeling fulfilled by your work. Work for an employer of choice. Work for Blue Ridge Hospice. We're always looking to hire compassionate RNs, CNAs, or anyone interested in office or thrift shop work. We've been your not-for-profit community hospice since 1981. Visit our website for more information or to apply today at blueridgehospice.org. That's blueridgehospice.org. Blue Ridge Hospice is an equal opportunity employer. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. Out of the ditch came a skinwalker and encounters with slipskins and other shape-shifting beings. Tonight I would like to share with you some of my favourite and scariest reports. No Bigfoot stories today as I'd like to look at a particular kind of being, one that makes the blood run cold. Known in native cultures the world over, the skinwalker or shapeshifter can change from a human to any animal it chooses. Some people believe the shifter was so awful as a human that they remain bound to this earth by their deeds. A kind of eternal karma, almost. Others believe these creatures become shifters after consuming human flesh. Many times the person reporting the encounter is shunned into silence. The mere mention of this being can attract them to you or your loved ones. So reporting a case like this is probably one of the hardest to go public with. Each witness in the cases tonight reached out and shared their experience as finding an answer to what happened far outweighed the fear of ridicule. I think each and every one of the people who were brave enough to come forward and speak about what happened to them deserves a listening ear as they share their truth with his all. My neighbour, the werewolf, 2011. When I was 21, I moved in with my cousin in a cabin way out in the woods. We lived in a heavily wooded area called Van Lee, in between Dixon and Erin in Tennessee. It's the smallest town I've ever seen. You could drive through the town in two minutes and see all 12 of the businesses operating there during that time. The rest of the areas, kind of farms, breaking up the vast wooded areas in between them with one more gas station stuck in the middle of a fork, leading out into the direction of where I lived. I moved in with my cousin in November of 2011, a week before my birthday. We parted occasionally, but most of the time we kept ourselves to ourselves when we weren't working. A lot of the time we'd just stay home, play video games, or we'd watch movies together. The house itself had three bedrooms. The master bedroom was downstairs next to the living room. 
the back bedroom used to be an enclosed porch and then the loft area is upstairs is where I stayed. All of the bedrooms and bathrooms were on one side of the house while on the other side was the kitchen and the living room. The living room had a wall and it was connected by two huge 12-foot doors and it had two huge triangular windows above it all making that side of the house an A-frame. We were always in the living room with our TV and game systems and we'd have the TV on that 12-foot stretch of wall so that no glare would come into the windows. We also ate there as well and after we ate, one of my chores was to take out the scraps and every night I dumped them at the edge of the woods about half a football field away from our porch. I'd done this almost every day for several months since I'd moved in because it meant I didn't have to do the dishes, if I'm honest. During these romps out to the dump scraps, I was used to seeing raccoons, opossum, deer, rabbits, even foxes and coyotes. And at first, the coyotes kind of creeped me out because all I'd see is their eyes or I'd hear sniffling and panting while I walked to my usual dumping spot. Nothing ever bothered me though, because they all knew once I'd dropped the food and walked away, it was fair game. During September of 2012, I began to get a regular visitor who was much bigger than any coyote or dog that I knew. I went out like usual to dump the scraps of that night's meal, when I noticed it was oddly quiet. And as I walked, I felt as if all the hair on my arms were standing up. But I chalked it up to the odd silence and the fact that it was shifting into the colder weather, so there weren't as many animals about. But when I got to my dumping spot and I poured out that night's scraps, something large growled at me. It sounded huge and it rumbled through me, went right into my bones. I quickly finished scraping out the pot and I slowly backed away from the woods when I saw a pair of yellowish eyes reflecting a little to the left of where I dumped the scraps. I stared as I moved backwards, never taking my eyes from the one staring at me. And as I got inside, I told my cousin there was some big animal out there tonight and we should just keep the porch light on and keep a lookout for it in case it came close to the house. The rest of the night was uneventful. But from then on, when I took out the scraps, that thing would be there waiting for me to drop the food. And then it would retreat. It would be growling the whole time. Never once did I see it, just the eyes. And after about a month, it stopped growling. When I came out, even though I would see it staring at me from the woods. By December, snow had fallen and it had gotten really cold. I kept up my feeding of whatever creature had been hanging around on the property. But as Christmas rolled around, me and my cousin had gone to stay with the family for the holidays and we were gone for maybe a week or so. When we got back, we had loads of leftovers and after carrying everything in and getting settled, my cousin fell asleep on the couch in the living room and I had gone to sleep in my room in the loft. And that night, I woke up Thursday and I went downstairs to get some water. While I was going down the stairs, I could hear a slight thumping noise coming from the basement. Looking over the rails, I see that my cousin's still asleep on the couch. I wondered if something was on the porch, which would happen occasionally. You'd get raccoons or wild turkey. But looking out of either of the big glass doors showed nothing. But since it was well around seven degrees outside, I didn't open them and look. I went into the kitchen, 
still looking at the doors in the living room, when I saw a canine, a canine-looking head, and it poked around the side of the door. Its head was huge, and it sniffed against the glass. At first, I jumped a bit, but thinking there was just a really big dog, and it was probably the animal I'd been feeding for the last few months, that enabled me to calm down. And then I remembered that I'd been gone for a week. I figured it was hungry, and I got some of the turkey from the fridge, intending to toss it out the back door onto the porch so we could have some. But when I turned back from the fridge and looked at the door, its nose had been pressed against. I froze. Its head had been about three feet off the ground when it had first poked its head around. But now, now I'm looking up and I see a creature that's standing there and it's standing there on two legs, towering over me, and it was hunched over so that he could see into the door. I'm six feet, my cousin's six five, and its head barely brushes the top of the door frame. This thing had to be at least seven foot five. I was stunned and frozen in place, terrified. What scared me even more was that this creature reached for the door handle to the sliding glass door and it pulled on it. My heart skipped a beat when I heard the jam bounce against the lock. Thankfully, we hadn't unlocked them since we'd come home. At the time, my cousin began to wake up and he rolled off the couch till half asleep and shuffled towards the bathroom when he noticed me standing rigid in front of the glass door. He opened his mouth to say something when he noticed a dark figure and that figure standing in the door. A creature looked at him and growled and my eyes flicked between the two of them before I moved closer to the kitchen door. The creature looked at me, noticing my movement. My cousin froze in place. He was horrified at what was in front of him. I grabbed the kitchen door handle and I clicked the lock open. My cousin, seeing what I'd done, asked what the hell I was doing. I wrenched open that door and I flung that turkey out and I slammed the door shut and I locked it. And the creature watched the plate of food fly past the porch towards the yard. And it took one more look at me. And then it jumped off the porch before going for the food. My cousin was absolutely terrified. He grabbed me, he pulled me upstairs into the loft bedroom and that was the one with the sturdiest door in it. And we stayed in that room all night, listening to the sounds of that thing. After a few minutes, we could hear it try to open the door one more time and it was snuffling its nose against the window and it tapped on the window for several minutes. After realising the door wouldn't open, before finally going back to the woods. After that, I took the scraps out during the morning time. I didn't go as far as the woods. I don't even know what to call it, so I called it a werewolf. And it didn't show any real aggression towards us, but we never went out at night after that. We would occasionally see it out in the yard at night, normally near where I would dump the scraps that day. And it would eat what was left or just sniff the spot if it had already been cleaned by the birds or the other daytime animals. And every time we saw it, we'd turn off the TV and the lights and we'd watch it until it went back into the woods. Our witness ended by saying, I don't know how skinwalkers actually work or if they're transformed humans are just a really intelligent animal. Regardless of that, having one for a neighbour was more than an interesting experience. I'm not sure that anyone on this earth knows what they are for certain. 
and how you stop them. Keeping silence not the answer. Raising the subject and sharing what's happened is the only way forward. It takes the power from the being and enables humans to walk away from their clutches. If we view and feed into the shifter with any negative connotation, then the activity will become far more negative. If we can discuss them without the Make a difference. Relish a great work-life balance. Enjoy generous benefits and competitive pay. Go home each night feeling fulfilled by your work. Work for an employer of choice. Work for Blue Ridge Hospice. We're always looking to hire compassionate RNs, CNAs, or anyone interested in office or thrift shop work. We've been your not-for-profit community hospice since 1981. Visit our website for more information or to apply today at blueridgehospice.org. That's blueridgehospice.org. Blue Ridge Hospice is an equal opportunity employer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Make a difference. Relish a great work-life balance. Enjoy generous benefits and competitive pay. Go home each night feeling fulfilled by your work. Work for an employer of choice. Work for Blue Ridge Hospice. We're always looking to hire compassionate RNs, CNAs, or anyone interested in office or thrift shop work. We've been your not-for-profit community hospice since 1981. Visit our website for more information or to apply today at blueridgehospice.org. That's blueridgehospice.org. Blue Ridge Hospice is an equal opportunity employer. Titanic panic. What we have is a being that roams this earth that we don't understand and most of us fear, which is understandable when faced with an eight-foot-tall creature that's looking through your window or something that has red eyes or yellow eyes that walks the land around your home. How could you not be afraid of that? In our next case, we had Norton, Manitoba, and a very recent case where the shifter mimicked the voice of somebody's loved one. It sounded like my brother. Witness report. The events I'm about to explain happened at a cabin that belongs to my family in southern Manitoba in 2021. My mother was out working in the field and I was bored out of my mind, so I decided to go for a walk in the woods. The rest of the family are having a nap. We own about 80 acres of land there and the majority of it's forest. It's a pretty normal day. Nothing strange happened to me until that point. So I was totally unprepared for what I'd experienced. I was walking down an overgrown trail in the woods, just enjoying myself, when I suddenly smelled an awful stench. The only smell I could compare it to was the smell of death or mould. I thought that maybe an animal had died around here, so I walked off the path and I started looking around to find what was causing that smell. I didn't get too far before I heard something strange. My baby brother's voice was calling me from deeper in the woods. It was telling me to come to him. I started panicking, thinking that maybe he'd woken up and gotten himself lost in the woods. That worried me so much. I started to follow that voice. When I was about 20 metres from where I'd heard the voice coming from, I heard something else. I heard the sound of something huge moving through the underbrush. It sounded much too large to be a toddler. Shortly after I heard that, 
I heard my brother's voice again, this time a lot closer. I began to freak out. I sprinted back through the woods and to my cabin. The whole way I heard something following me and I never turned around to face it in fear or I was worried I'd trip up or something and I'd fall and it'd catch me. When I reached the edge of the woods, the sound stopped. I slowed down and I started to walk across the field to my cabin. And when I reached it, I found my little brother fast asleep in his bed, as he'd been when I left. I knew instantly on seeing him safe that I had an encounter in the woods with a skinwalker. For a few days after that, I didn't go back into the woods out of fear that I'd find it again, or it would find me. I hope I never have to feel that kind of fear ever again. Some of the legends tell of creatures either born human and ravaged by another creature, or bound in a body that is not their own, by a being so powerful they cannot escape. Some creatures are tied to the land due to a deed they committed, or bound by a spell set by a powerful medicine man or shaman. They are said that they can take on the shape, smell, feel and look of one of your loved ones in order to lure you from the house, deeper into the woods or out onto perilous land where you'll face certain death. They will mimic the cries of a child or the voice of a loved one, even calling your name. Cries of help, please help ring out in forests and cliff sides. It takes a strong mind and will to ignore the pull of the beast. Most cultures refuse to even discuss this creature, let alone name it. All of the cultures advise protection when dealing with this kind of being. I've made the mistake of going into an area with reported shifter activity unprotected. I've also had things attached to me because I made a really rookie mistake. One of these experiences almost robbed me of my sanity. I was invaded with suicidal thoughts and a rage that I couldn't control. So I understand the effects it can take on a person and just how hard it is to fight back and overcome. I'll never make the same mistake again, but I'm human and humans make mistakes. So I would ask anyone out there with an interest in this subject to do a daily protection routine at the very least. I do a protection ritual before I record audio for any episode. And during that, I ask for freedom for any being trapped here on earth by a power far more stronger than they are. It's better to have too much protection than none at all. A wise, fiery, copper-haired witch once told me, Deb, you can change or free anything if you just throw enough love at it. A being I have never heard of before was shared by the grandmother of a Navajo elder when she told her grandmother's truth. Her grandmother's personal experience with a Yendal Lushi. Yendal Lushi is watching me and this report took place in 2002. The witness said, my grandmother, on my mother's side, has always been very superstitious, for lack of a better word. She's not religious, but she does believe in a lot of paranormal stuff. Her mother was full-blooded Navajo, and her father was Irish. Either way, she's never been anywhere east of Montana, and she grew up in Nevada. One year, when I was in grade school, we went to visit her. Most of the visit was pretty uneventful. Typical, boring old people stuff to me as a kid. Nothing strange ever happened, except she always kept her curtains drawn shut and she'd always peek out of the window and when someone asked what she was doing, she would simply reply, 
Lady Yandel Rushi is watching me. This went on for nearly the entire visit, until a few days before we were due to leave. My grandma and my baby brother were in the front yard that evening, planting flowers. All of a sudden, my grandmother started shouting. She was shouting my brother's name and telling him to get here, get away from that creature, it's not safe. Of course, being in Nevada, we all assumed that my brother had found a scorpion or a rattlesnake. So we all run outside to see my grandmother clutching my little brother and shaking in terror against the side of the house. What we saw was what scared her. It was standing in the yard and it was a large, black, Great Dane-sized dog. It was staring at my grandmother with an intensity I'd never seen in anything's eyes before. It looked up at us gave a little huff and bounded off. I don't remember if it moved unusually or not, but I do remember it had really deep yellow eyes. When my mother asked my grandmother what had just happened, she said, the Yendalusia has found me, and she moved away from the property a couple of weeks after that. I would love to know if the activity ended when the grandmother moved home. Have any of the other family members had interactions with any kind of activity? Many times the places we find slipskins and shapeshifters are usually areas with the highest number of UFO encounters, numerous cryptid and paranormal events. I believe these creatures can attach to a family line and plague the victim for generations. Are we dealing with a being like a jinn who can change appearance and a gender at will? How do we fight this? Is a huge gun the answer? Visit to a medicine man or sheer willpower? In our next case, the witness was armed with a firearm, but I don't think even his rifle would have protected him. Seeing something like this can paralyse an individual. It can freeze you to the spot. Most often, the witness is just overjoyed that the creature or creatures move off enabling a quick retreat by the human. In 2003, there was a case and the gentleman said, I'm not even sure about sharing this. It happened about 19 years ago now. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter, I was home visiting for Christmas, taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. I was home by myself. It was late at night and I heard all of our cows start freaking out. I knew it had to be a wild dog, they're rampant in the area. So I throw on some boots, I grabbed a shotgun, I load it up and I head out into the field. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon and it was breaking through the clouds just right to light up the snow. I ran out and in the middle of the field and just in time, I saw two dogs, but they were standing upright, facing each other and fighting. I think, perfect, two for one shot. So I pumped a shell into the chamber of my 12-gauge and then it happened. The two dogs heard me rack and they both stopped, looked over at me and ran away from me. But they didn't run like dogs. They ran upright on their back legs. Immediately I froze and every ghost story about skinwalkers and all the other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. Up until then, these were all just boogeyman stories that the kids told each other. That night, they became real for me. In our next case tonight, the witness gives a really good description 
of the creature that they saw, describing it as human, but with the head of a dog. Our witness said, I was spending a month with my cousins at my grandmother's house. It was August some years ago, and my cousins' ages ranged from 10 to 15, and I was the oldest one being 15. I was staying with a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 14-year-old. We stayed up telling scary stories. But one night, a few weeks in, we decided to make a campfire out back. My grandma's house in a rural suburb. The neighbours aren't too far away. You see them when you're driving down the road to a house. But in the backyard, it has a thick forest with man-made paths going through it. Each house is on a hill, so only part of the basement was actually underground. And this isn't really important until later, though. So, we're towards the east side of a yard, smallest patch of open land. You can't see the neighbouring yards from there. There was probably three quarters of a mile to each side of us that belonged to my grandmother. It was maybe 11 at night and we're playing truth or dare after telling scary stories. And my 14-year-old cousin dared me and the 13-year-old to go walk through the past for about 10 minutes or so. I said, yeah, right away. I wasn't even scared. Rather level-headed back then. But my younger cousin was a bit more hesitant. We didn't bring a flashlight because it wasn't pitch dark yet. And we could see enough not to die. We were walking through the path for about five minutes. We barely see the fire through the trees. Leftovers? Or... The DMV? Or... House cleaning? Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When we decided to turn back, and in the middle of the path was a large dog-like creature, and it was hunched over with its hands an inch from the ground. What I remember most was how its eyes were. They were bright white and it was a humanoid dog-shaped thing with a human head, but a head like a dog as well, and a body with human hands and feet. It looked right at us and I was paralysed with fear and it dashed away in the opposite direction from us. It headed towards the creek that ran through the yard. Eventually, my cousin and I screamed bloody murder and the other cousins and my grandma ran out to us. I don't remember much here because I was really disorientated. I couldn't think properly. But I did remember waking up in bed. So I assume that I was brought into the house. All the kids slept in the basement in a big room with sliding glass doors to the outside. And the room was on the side that wasn't underground. My bed was pressed up against the big glass window. And I could see my cousins playing outside down below. The house is in Michigan, so it gets slightly chilly even in the end of August. There was a slight breeze. I put on my jacket. I ran to join them outside. 
skipping breakfast, not wanting to miss out on any fun. When I got down, I could tell they weren't playing, but rather running to get my grandma. The dogs, both of them, were dead and they'd been ripped up. That night we went to bed early. I woke up at maybe two in the morning because I felt something hit my head. My cousins were all sitting on the bed opposite me on the other side of the room. And there was one bunk bed and two double beds. The double beds for me and my 14-year-old cousin. And they were being quiet and staring at me. The 13-year-old nodded his head slowly towards the window and I froze. They all looked afraid. I turned my head slightly to the side and what I saw really messed me up. There was a face pressed to the window with wide gaping eyes looking down at me. I screamed so loud and it bolted. My grandmother called the police after I told her what happened and they searched but found nothing. I went home after that and I've never been there during the night again. I cannot begin to understand how frightened those children must have been when confronted with something like that. And to know even the police could find nothing adds another level of fear. In our next case, as in some of the others tonight, it's a visit to a grandparent's property that leads to the event. This is one of the reasons I believe that these creatures attach to families. When the old and the weak are no longer scared, does it choose a new member to court? Or is it simply a coincidence, a trick of the mind, or a real event suffered by families for generations? Our next case isn't any different. We knew what it was, and it knew we were aware of it. I decided to join my best friend for a three-day stay at her grandmother's place on the reservation. Her grandmother lives near a place called Tuba City in Arizona, in the middle of nowhere, but surrounded by rural homes. We got to college together and was kind of interested to know about Navajo tradition. The first day we stayed, it was a pretty chill. Nothing out of the ordinary happened. But then her grandma, she's not really that old, she was only 67, said that a stray dog came out of nowhere and it wouldn't leave. We went out and we looked at it. And to me, it did act strange. It was really ugly looking. It had a black shaggy coat and it looked like a mix between a German shepherd and a Labrador. Her grandma tried chasing it off, but it wouldn't go. We went inside and tried to ignore it. That night, we were watching a movie in the living room. This room had big windows that looked out onto the front of the home where the cars were parked. We had the curtains pulled wide open. My friend's grandma was in the kitchen cooking dinner, and we were watching a movie. Next to the window, there's this medium bookshelf where the DVDs are kept. My friend went to put back a DVD we just watched, but she freaked out because that stray black dog was staring at us through the window. It was standing on top of the wood box outside. Now that is not something normal dogs do from my point of view. Usually my dog, who's a house dog, scratches the door to be let in. Those dogs were res dogs and she would keep them in the yard. They were there to protect the house and the owner's family. All of the other dogs seemed to stay away from that scruffy one. My friend opened the door and she yelled at it to get off the box. And it did. It ran off and it hid behind the shed. After the film, we went to Tuba City to get some groceries and then we came back. And the away dog was nowhere to be seen, thankfully. 
My friend's grandma went to visit some people, so it was just my friend and I left in the house. About five o'clock, we heard someone trying to open the door to the house. Both of us looked out since there'd been no car pulling up and we hadn't heard the dogs barking. Looking out of the living room window to the door, we could see there was a dog trying to open the door with its paw. It had two paws wrapped around the brass doorknob and it was standing on its hind legs. I thought that was weird, but I wasn't really freaked out, but my friend was. She opened the door and chased it off. When her grandma came back later and we told her what had happened, she didn't like what she heard. We got ready to go to bed. We slept in the spare bedroom since it has two beds. It had one window with the curtains open a little bit. And we turned off the light and there was a sound coming from the top of the roof. We could hear this weird pitter-patter that sounded like footsteps and scratching sounds and panting. At first we heard what sounded like barking but it grew louder. The other dogs seemed to be barking at something also. But all of a sudden, something was running around the house outside barking, and it was not a dog. The barking sounded human. It was like a deep male voice, barking like it knew we knew it wasn't a dog, and we started to freak out. My friend decided to open the curtains to look out, and there was this stray dog on its hind legs, looking into our bedroom, but this time it stunk and it had what I thought were two black holes in its neck and the paws were deformed. It looked like hands with overgrown, thick, sharp fingernails. My friend's grandma came running through the door and saw it. The first thing she did was grab some ashes from the fireplace, load three shells into the shotgun from under the bed. She blessed herself in Navajo and went outside to shoot it yelling in Navajo about how this thing wasn't welcome there and to get the hell out of there and for it to linger somewhere else. The next day, they called for the medicine man. The medicine man said the dog was a skinwalker. He also said that there was something within Grandma and he pulled a piece of human skull out of Grandma's right shoulder. It was pretty big, about two inches long and about a centimetre thick. I know it was real because we watched him pull it out of her. I think the bone fragment being removed from a human is the first time I've ever heard that. I don't know of any other accounts where bones have been removed from witnesses after an encounter with a being. Do you know of any cases like this? Why was the bone embedded? Is it like a GPS chip that enables the creature to connect with you at whim? Whose skull did it come from? The shifter or another victim? Our next case tonight is the most recent and took place just this year in the Two Rivers area. The creature saw was between 8 and 10 feet tall. The witness's name is David and David, along with his wife, had an encounter with something they could not explain in the Point Beach State Forest in Two Rivers, where they moved a few months prior and they were really unfamiliar with the area. David said, Me and my wife were walking a bridal trail. We were bow hunting in the Nipissing Swamp. When I started to feel like we were being watched, David kept it to himself and they continued walking the trail until they reached a point where the path branched off to the right and a snowmobile trail went to the left. 
And Davy said, I went to that corner the last few days, but I always stopped because I had this odd feeling I was going to confront something. They'd just moved to Two Rivers a few months ago and they weren't familiar with the area at all. They'd just started hunting there a few days prior and the odd feeling had been enough to convince Davy to turn back on previous occasions. This time, though, something would convince him to ignore that feeling altogether. As David and his wife reached the fork, something not far off the trail ran off through the woods. It seemed so big, I felt it in the ground, David said. Believing it must be a large buck, the couple proceeded down the trail hoping to get a glimpse of it. They found it about 50 yards up where the trail opened up into the pines and it was behind a tree. And at first appeared to be a bear standing on its back legs, scratching its back up against the tree. It kept stepping to the side and I could see what looked to be a shoulder and a really long arm, David said. But it looked black, like really black. And then it did something funny, almost like it got down on all fours. And I thought I saw what had been its head, but it was very oddly shaped. Almost like a football, but horizontal, with long ears pointing up at the back. And I thought what I believed to be a very long, almost greyish hair covered it. David estimated the creatures to be between 8 and 10 feet tall. It had thin, long, gangly arms. He and his wife watched it briefly, unable to understand what they were looking at. Then it took three large steps and it disappeared in the underbrush. They slowly walked towards the tree where the creature had been standing, where they saw the large impressions in the ground. David thought maybe it had been another hunter dressed in a ghillie suit, though he knew it was way too tall to be a human. He shouted, hello, and there was no response. David called out a few more times, but there was only silence. We decided we'd better get out of there because it started to get dark and we were both pretty freaked out, David said. All the way back, it felt like somebody was trailing us alongside that path, keeping up with us, and we walked really fast. About a quarter of a mile from the road where the vehicle was parked, David and his wife walked out of the forest into a field. And they saw a deer there, standing sideways out in the open. A perfect shot. And they'd come out to hunt after all. So David raised his bow and knocked an arrow. He said, I use lighted knocks so you can see the trajectory of the arrow. When I shot, you could see that I shot low and I heard something like my arrow hitting something. But I wasn't sure if I hit the deer or not. So we walked over there and started looking for my arrow constantly watching around us and we couldn't find my arrow anywhere. Then David spotted it about 20 or 30 yards back towards the woods in the path. He said, my arrow was stuck basically vertical in the ground, except it leant in the opposite way that I'd fired it, which to me and my wife seemed impossible. How could that be? As they made the way back towards the road, they started to smell a really strong odour and it filled the air. David said, I smelt the most horrible smell. I've never smelt anything like that in my life. It was like rot and mould and mud and sulphur. A nasty smell that was just right in my face. His wife smelt it as well and later described it to him as a very strong metallic odour. They hurried back to the vehicle and went home. But that night still haunts David. He said, I'm a very avid bow hunter, 
and I spent most of my life out in the woods. I've never experienced anything like this. I've felt that feeling. I've never felt anything like that when I was out there. The experience has left David feeling uneasy about going back into the woods and he's questioning whether he'll ever go hunting again. As David's experience happened so recently, it would suggest that out there somewhere is another person who is about to become the most current witness. I'm not too sure that's a lottery I'd like to win, but I know some of you would give your right arm to see a creature like this. Hopefully, you'll walk away from the experience with both of your arms still attached. And a new outlook on what's really important in life. Seeing something like this is life-changing. The world you knew before is no longer a place you live. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I really appreciate your support. To all of my listeners, old and new, thank you for allowing me to share the truths of others with you all. I will be back at the same day, same time, next week. Good night, everyone. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.